Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Hello. So I decided to do something different this week, and I've not done this before in the history of the podcast, and I opened up today's episode for questions. So I wanted to see how that went, what you guys were curious about, and answer any burning questions that you have, personal gardening, nature, motherhood, or anything. Um, so I didn't give it too much time. I just left a question box on my Instagram, which is just Bailey Van Tassel. If you search me on Instagram, you'll find me. Um, and I wanted to answer some of the questions. So I thought it'd be fun because, uh, I really enjoy listening to podcasts that have a lot of storytelling. Um, I love to get to know the host. So I don't know. I just wanted to try something different and fun and you guys will have to let me know if you like it. Also reminder, if you are loving the podcast, I would love if you left a review, if you subscribed. So this just pops up every Thursday for you. And yeah, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, As always, if you do have questions, you can DM me on Instagram, email me or anything, send a pigeon or smoke signal. I'm here for you. So, okay. First thing, a lot of people were asking fall gardening questions, and I just want to refer you back to episode 32, which is where I talk a lot about fall gardening. Um, Also, that episode was kind of funky and it downloaded weird for a lot of people. So if that was the case for you as well, and you're like, wait, what the fall gardening episode, go back to episode 32 and just make sure you can like stop downloading and then re-download it if you are a subscriber. Sorry about that tech issue. Um, but I might, I might talk a little bit about it at the end of this chat. So the first question that I want to answer, and these are just kind of coming in order. I'm like totally ad hoc riffing from these question box questions is stay at home mom slash gardener life. How do you balance the two? And I've gotten a few of these questions lately um, from people that I know and don't know. And I really believe that balance is a myth, which is such an eye roll, because I think we all desperately want to feel like it's achievable and maybe like there's something wrong with us. And if we make some sort of a change, then we'll find this miraculous (laughs) balanced solution. If anything, I guess I would say I've figured out a couple of things that make my life feel really fulfilled. And that's how I interpret that question of like, how do you have balance in your life? I interpret that maybe more as like, how do you find joy (laughs) when you've got little kids underfoot and you're pursuing a career and you're gardening and you're a stay-at-home mom, like just kind of how do you do it? I interpret it as what makes you feel successful and joyful and also tactically, how do you manage it? So 
First and foremost, I sort of measure the quality of my days based on a few things. Um, and, and this is sort of tactical. Um, one is I really want to feel connected to each of my children and my husband. So I try to dedicate one-on-one time, even if it's just 10 minutes to each person in my family. I'm talking the baby, my two older kids and my husband. Um, I think more than 10 minutes is necessary with my spouse, with my husband to like really connect with the kids to feel really loved. If I'm just like very present with them, even just for 10 minutes. But I mean, honestly, I feel more full when it's closer to like 30, which is a lot. It's like such a luxury nowadays. I know a lot of people don't have the ability to stay home or choose how much time they spend with their kids or not work late or, or whatnot. But, um, that is usually the first thing to help me feel like really balanced is if I've been able to connect with my people. Um, the gardening thing, truly you guys, like I'm not trying to be self-promoting, but the kitchen garden society, my subscription is all built on my process of like how I keep gardening year round through the seasons, stay inspired, always learning, know what to be doing. I have it sort of on auto now where each month I know what I need to do to make sure that the garden is thriving and happy and it can give me sort of like a minimum viable approach where I don't have to be out there all the time. But it's also a similar principle of like 10 minutes of focus time a day keeps everything going and it also really fuels me. So another thing that I find to be incredibly helpful in my self-awareness journey is I have learned that there are certain things that just give me so much energy. So being creative, having a creative output gives me energy. Um, So work often, like if I sit down and get to do some good work and then that like actually gives energy instead of taking it away going outside being in the garden is the same. Like if I'm just feeling exhausted and like I need a reset for the day, instead of having like my 19th cup of coffee, go, I'll go outside and just, you know, be in the garden and that will totally energize me. So, um, that is something that helps me, I guess, to answer the question, balance being a stay-at-home mom and a gardener is like finding those present moments and pockets and really leaning into that. My husband actually teases me that I'm too present. Like I have a hard time projecting into the future and anticipating how I'm going to feel because I tend to live like very present. Um, And again, maybe that's another eye roll, like, oh God, you're, you're too present, like poor you. Um, but it's really become, it's a practice thing because if anything, I run anxious and it's taken me a lot of work to unfold that and just be present. So, um, that's a whole nother story for another day. So that is kind of how I balance that. And I would also say I invite my kids in to do as much with me as I can withstand. So helping me with chores, helping me in the garden, helping me cook, helping me do laundry, Um, there are a lot of people online that I kind of follow and have referenced that have helped like taught me approaches for this. So, um, Dr. Becky good inside is one of my favorites and she has tons of these great scripts and great things to help, uh, 
help you navigate like children's big feelings and turn difficult parts of your day into like a game. So for an example, um, I started noticing my four-year-old just being, for lack of a better term, defiant and maybe not even like kind of a mixture of ignoring me and also just saying no when she doesn't want to do something I've asked her to do. Like, let's say it's like, okay, time to get in bed. She'll just ignore me and keep playing or say no. So I started turning it into a game where I'm like, oh my gosh, do you, do you have earwax built up in your ear? Like, do I need to perform surgery on your ear? And I'll go over and tickle her ears and okay, I got the earwax out. Wait, oh, nope. There's some still in there. And I'm like, okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. She she says, yeah, mama, I can hear you. Okay. Time to get in bed. And she hops in bed. Like, I mean, like literally it's that easy. I've never had anything be easy like that with her before. And those are the kind of like hacks that I've taught myself to think about and come up with that help, you know, balancing just tiny personalities as I'm trying to navigate like a career and having, growing our own food, like, you know, spending time. So anyways, that is question number one. Thank you for that question, Kelsey, who asked that. Okay. Um, Edith asked me, have you thought about writing a recipe book? Um, absolutely. Yes. Uh, writing is my absolute number one passion. It's a huge outlet for me. I feel like it's my strength and I don't do enough of it because content creation, the way I do it now is like a little bit different and you get like short form video is kind of the thing. Um, but I would love to write a cookbook and hopefully I will get the privilege to do that. I will say my cooking content does not land as well as my gardening content, but I'm, I just keep putting it out there because I love to do it. Okay. So next one from Jerica, how to grow onions. I buy onion starts from a farm and I really want to gatekeep with you guys on this, but I'm not going to. It's called Dixondale and they're in Texas and they will teach you everything you need to know about long day onions, short day onions, where you live and what type of onions you should be growing and how to do it. And I just follow their instructions and order their onions and had an insanely good crop. I will say, however, you need to have a plan for curing your onions. Okay. So once you've harvested your 100 onions, like I did, you need a place for them to air dry and cure properly, or you will have a bunch of moldy, disgusting onions and like a ton of wasted time and money. So like learn from my mistakes. Okay. Next question is from Sarah. Favorite cherry tomato canning recipe. Um, I don't have one yet, but there are two sources I want to point you to. One is a book called Food in Jars. And my Auntie Pammy told me about this. My godmother, you guys know I love her. Um, food in jars, I'm sure has a great tomato canning recipe. Um, and if you just mean like just getting cherry tomatoes canned up somehow, but there's like, I mean, do you want to turn them into marinara? Do you want it to be tomato paste? Whatever. Speaking of tomato paste, there is a cookbook called six seasons that has a tomato paste recipe in it that I want to try. And that is a non-negotiable must have cookbook for gardeners. So that's what I have to say about cherry tomato canning, but I have a lot of ideas around cherry tomatoes. So keep your eye on me for that. (laughs) Um, okay. So 
actually a girlfriend I know in real life messaged me this next question, Kelsey, who I adore. I have to share this person. I said this was going to be a more personal episode. So um, Kelsey and I went to college together and her and I one time had this conversation where we both connected over listening to Celine Dion sing in French with a glass of white wine and like just the beautiful emotions of that scene. And every time I think of her, I think of that. And if she's listening to this, it will make her giggle. But I mean, it's a vibe, right? Like Celine Dion singing in French. Like it's very, it's a vibe. So her question to me was, when did your desire for city slicking shift to homesteading? And what was there a catalyst? So I've had this very, I feel like it's a very Hallmark movie like moment, but grew up on a hobby farm. You can go back to my first episode, my first or second episode. I talk a lot more in depth about this, but um, I grew up on a hobby farm in Northern California and I like only ever wanted to leave. I was such a girly girl. I was very into, I did ballet for a long time. I was very into fashion. Like I wanted to live the big city life, high heels, briefcase, New York. I wanted to be a travel writer. Like, I don't know. I just had this fantasy of like being this executive kind of like live fast, glamorous life. And maybe that's like a sign of the times. Um, Maybe that's like a very late eighties kid, you know, nineties adolescence vibe. I can't stop saying vibe now, but, um, I went, I left my small town and went to San Diego for college and then up to LA just after college. And that is when I had my fill. I was like, okay, I'm done with this like city-ish faster life. Um, and I just became very disillusioned by it. Um, there were so many reasons. Um, but I really like leaned into that experience. I like, I mean, I went all in on college and city living and I lived in West Hollywood up in LA and it was just enough. I just had enough. I just felt like, okay, I've experienced like the full range of what this has to offer. And I did not jive with the people. And when I looked back on the most significant people in my life, their character and their upbringing and what was important to them. It was just such a mismatch with Southern California, with sort of the city living. It was, there were these people from my upbringing that just were so salt of the earth and so grounded and so authentically themselves. And they lived for these values. And for me, that all happened to be very sort of hard work, nature, animal, work with your hands. Um, that's just what I felt drawn back to. So it was like post-college, I really, really started feeling that draw. And um, the main, main catalyst as well, really, was thinking about raising kids and starting a family. So when my first son was born in 2017 is when I really was like, all in on finding a way to make nature, homesteading, gardening, farming, ranching, like any sort of anything that has to do with that, a bigger part of my life, because I felt like that was super crucial in creating good character. And now that I've thought about this more, it's really about eliminating some convenience and some comfort in exchange for that character building. So it's like growing your own food, (laughs) Um, 
you know, takes a lot longer and it's time, but it's like you build this incredible confidence. You have this clean product. You get, I mean, it's changed my life in so many ways. You get connected to nature and the seasons and just food and humanity and God and everything. So the catalyst truly was even the thought of raising children and then actually having them, which like really, really shifted me back to my roots. So yeah, that is that. Okay. Next question. Bianca, I love your name. Why can't I grow lettuce or spinach bigger than two inches tall? There are probably two reasons why. Um, one, I don't know when you're trying to grow it for me. That's fall, winter. Um, also, so like the number one thing you're going to want to investigate is your soil. Like, do you have good, healthy, yummy soil? And what you always want to add to leafy greens, any type of greenery, especially something that is not going to produce a fruit or a vegetable, like just greens, right? Lettuce and spinach is the question. Nitrogen. They want nitrogen. So blood meal is a great thing to add here. If you live in like a desert scenario, kind of like I do, you don't get a ton of rainfall and all those negative ions and that good nitrogen in our rain make your plants grow like overnight, right? So adding in that nitrogen is really crucial and will really, really help. Okay, so last question I'm gonna do tonight is where do you find interesting garlic bulbs to plant and when should they go in the ground? And I think this is Elise's question. So I buy my garlic from Territorial Seed Co. And they have a ton of different types and they're all very interesting. They have like, I don't even know, Tajikistan garlic and all of these cool things. Um, and what you need to pay attention to is if you want to grow hard neck or soft neck garlic, and it depends on where you live, like most things in the garden. So um, if you're in a Northern colder climate, go hard neck. If you're in a Southern warmer climate, go soft neck. Hard neck garlic gives you scapes. Soft neck garlic shouldn't unless it bolts. And so I think the hard neck garlic gives you the smaller cloves in a higher amount and the soft neck gives you larger cloves in a lesser amount. Um, but I could be mixing that up. So just do your research, go to Ter Territorial Seed Co. Order your garlic now. This podcast is coming out and it's July um, and I plant mine in the fall. So I'd have to look at my notes. I think I put mine in that I just harvested them in June um, and I could have waited even a little bit longer. They take nine months. So I think I, I think I put mine in the ground normally in like ugh, October, November, October. Um, yeah. But again, I'm in a warm climate, so I'm a little wonky. I'm zone 10 B, but garlic is super satisfying to grow. And I feel like the, the water in our plants is something we don't think enough about and like what the water is like where you live and when you're buying things like onions and garlic from the store, I think because it's not fleshy, like a fruit, like a juicy watermelon, we're not paying attention to the water and we think like it's no big deal, but the garlic and the onions grown in the soil with the same type of water, if it's grown with, you know, glyphosate or something toxic being sprayed around it, it's just not good for your body. So growing it at home is way easy. And, um, my girlfriend Annette over at Azure Farm and I actually were talking about how garlic we think is one of the easiest crops to grow. It just takes a long time, but
but it doesn't even take that much space. Like you push one clove into the ground and an entire bulb comes up and you've got like 10 more cloves. Super satisfying. It's like so, so, so fun to harvest. It goes with everything. You can eat it raw. It has so many incredible health benefits. Like do garlic. Like we should be doing garlic. So, okay. So this was just a quick, quick burn getting our toe wet. Do we like these Q and A episodes? Do we like personal stories? Like, how are we feeling? You guys have to let me know. Um, email me, DM me on, on the old IG and we will chat there. Thank you again so much for being here. I've got some fun interviews coming up this month and I just have so much love for you all. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.